Hi, everybody, and welcome. It's Michelle Murphy with the Rural Alliance and Daniela LaPlatt with CDE. Kirk Banghart is behind the camera today, and we're super excited. We are live at the National Rural Education Conference in Kentucky, and we are here with Shelly Badgett. I'm going to let Daniel, who was just doing a session, and met Shelly and heard about some amazing work that she's doing, so we wanted to get a chance to share it all with you. Awesome. Thanks, Michelle, and welcome, Shelly. Thank you. So today we did a session on stakeholder engagement, and we had um, our attendees share out some information and uh, highlight some of their work. And so Shelly um, talked about the Dream Bus that their district is um, using as a tool for stakeholder engagement and to serve their students and community members. And so we just asked Shelly if she would spend a few minutes with us talking about the concept of the Dream Bus, and um, I'll let Shelly introduce herself and then we'll talk more about um, the Dream Bus. I'm Shelly Badgett, I am from Marion County, Kentucky, and I am the Director of Instruction in Federal Programs, and I've been with this district for, this is my fourth year, so I was the Director of Special Ed right before that, this is my first year as Director of Instruction, but uh, I'm excited because this district is visionary, and when I, the, the first year that I came on, they had just unveiled what they kept calling the Dream Bus. I had not seen the Dream Bus, but it was a buzz around. So we have an annual summit every year where we ask the, the community, what do, you, what do you want from us? What, what do you want our students to know? What do you want us to um, do? So they had unveiled the Dream Bus. Now, what I found out was that the Dream Bus was a vision of our superintendent, Tulor Slosser, and she just wanted to connect, um, you know, those welding and carpentry and, and all of those skills with, you know, high school learning and, and what can we do for the community? So. She purchased a bus. We had an extra bus, I guess, and we... It's literally a school bus. It's That's a school. It was a school, school bus. bus. It was the yellow school bus, so... Um, but it doesn't look like the yellow school bus anymore. Uh, but uh, she decided and she gave that to the the, the ATC, our, our area tech center in the high school, and she just said, let's make this, you know, something great, something that nobody else has. She likes to have something that nobody else has. <laughs> so uh, as with any rural district, you know, feeding in the summer is an issue because we know that once our kids leave us, we're, we're happy it's summer, but we know that, you know, we're, we're feeding them every day. And, you know, so we have an it's okay to interrupt policy. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Can you tell us a little bit about your district, the demographics, sure. demographic? And we have about uh, 3,200 students. Uh, we are kind of in the central part of Kentucky, it, right this end in the middle. And uh, we have 35 business and industry right with us because when um, Toyota came and put their plant in Georgetown, a lot of factories came. We had an economic development that was really big on driving um, some companies. So we have 35 business and industry that uh, kind of pair off that, uh, you know, technical and the cars and all that. So. Uh, other than that, like that, we, we just have a lot of interest. Like we have more jobs than you know, all of our students can have jobs um, right wow. away. So um, we are about seventy five percent free and reduced. So we, um, you know, we we struggle with with all those same things. Um, we just reconfigured our district because we wanted all means all. So now we had two middle schools, and we realized that there was not equity. So we decided to do a six seven center, an eight nine center, and then our high school is ten twelve. So, and then and we do have our area technology center, which is right beside our high school. So that kind of helps. So that's kind of what we are. Well, and you were starting to say before I interrupted. It's all right. You were starting <laughs> to talk about sort of the dream and the need and the why, what the community was looking for in the summer. Yeah, it was just the, the connection and how do we serve, our, how do we continue to serve students beyond, you know, you know, outside the box. Summer, summer, but 
learning still happens. You've got the learning slide and then, you know, hunger. You know, we want our kids to, you know, have all those things they need. So I've, I've, I wasn't there when they first developed the, the Dream Bus idea, but I believe it came out of like, let's feed the students. That was the first part. But then with the people that are in our district, it was like, if we're feeding them, why can't we teach? So then it was like, okay, so let's figure this out. And then um, once that kind of was, was put out there, we let the students, they let the students design, you know, what is it gonna look like inside? You know, this is the relevance piece because if it's not relevant and the kids are so excited, I wish I had a kid here with me to, you know, to, yeah. to share because if you ask them, they're like, I was part of the dream bus. Like I, I did the cabinets or I did the little welding um, sign. So um, when it was unveiled, I think everybody had done pieces and then everybody was so excited to, to see the final because it just became one of those things and people thought we were a little bit crazy, I think. At the beginning, like, what are you gonna do, put this bus, drive it through? But um, I think we've served over, um, with our summer feeding with the, the dream bus and the other thing, I think 16,000 meals last um, summer. So um, we're pretty excited. We have much more, I was trying to remember the number of students um, that we served throughout this summer, and I think it was close to three, maybe 400, that actually came over the, the whole eight weeks of, you know, we do 10 stops, one in the morning, one in the afternoon, every day for those eight weeks in the summer. We feed them um, through our food director. She, she's amazing, I don't know if she gets all the food and all that <laughs> oh, farm potato stuff. But then um, we have two amazing teachers, and I know sometimes we worry like these are two amazing teachers, and they have bought into this kind of learning, and they give up their summers, and that's hard to ask teachers, yeah. uh, you know. But now, when that dream bus pulls into neighborhoods, parents are coming out, grandparents are coming out, they're interacting with their students, they're you know getting you know the meal, and it's just become this community piece where the community asked us to kind of figure out you know how you blend some things and, and and do those things and now it is a piece of the community like they want it in the parade you know they want it as that so now we're just trying to figure out how do we use it more and one of our principals took it to um like some brand new students came in and they were like what are we doing for brand new students when they come so they did a dream bus tour well when that dream bus pulled up at their house they were pretty excited so uh, i think it's just Sometimes you just gotta think outside the box and, um, and it looks pretty and it's, you know, if you see it, it you can't miss it. It's tied on multicolored dream bus plastered all over the side, um, but it took everybody. The, the kids um, did the graphic design and then we had the wrap, you know, that right. a company in, in, our, in, our, um, in our district that does that kind of thing. So, but they did that, they designed the cabinets, they came in, did the cabinets and, like they pulled it apart first and then they put it back together after they designed it. So it was really that project-based learning with multiple pieces um, together and the need. And then another big thing for the community because you always want to say, you know, this is what we're doing and, and the community was pretty happy. So we, we've been pretty excited and we just hope that, that we continue to think visionary, you know, and, and, you know, that's a lot of meals that were served and a lot of, you know, people that are pretty proud of that, and and that's what we want. We want people so that it's kind of hard to read this. Okay. Well, thank you, Shelly. Thanks for being a part of our podcast. Thank you. Thank you. And we will upload. There's a great video we just got to watch of the kids actually using the bus, and so we will upload when we have to upload the podcast. Anybody needs any questions?
give us a call. We'll yeah, we'll put your information up if that's okay. Yeah, that's you great. Have, you know, Okay, we are back and live with Ohio State Superintendent Paulo Delia. He's here to talk about rural innovations that are happening in Ohio, and we're really excited to have him. Thanks for joining us. Oh, I'm happy to be with you. So talk to you're good, you guys are doing great stuff in Colorado. Oh, thank you I, so I much. loved your session today, and um, I uh, have a lot of respect for the great state of Colorado and all the wonderful things you're doing. Thank you. Well, we know that there are exciting things happening in your state, so Absolutely. if you could highlight some of the rural, uh, the innovative work that's happening in your state, that'd be awesome. Yeah, so there, there are a couple of things. One is, you know, we recognize that when you're small, sometimes you don't always have the data analytic capacity to really do the kinds of things that you may that you may want to do or that can happen in more sophisticated settings. So uh, we were recently part of a partnership with um, Harvard has now the National Center for uh, Rural Education Research Networks. Um, and they uh, went with us in New York uh, for a grant application with the federal government to, uh, to promote what a project they call Proving Ground, which is really meant to be more short cycle sort of prototyping initiatives and gathering data about how effective they're being, and then course correcting and fine tuning those strategies in the interest of continuous improvement. Um, and so, um, so that grant application was successful. So we now have them hooked up with 20 rural districts, and they're gonna focus on sort of chronic absence, but also migrate into other areas of you know, college readiness or uh, what have you. And, and I'm excited because the, the work that they've already done in other parts of Ohio have already shown how a little, a little bit of capacity building in terms of data analysis can really have a huge payoff, especially when people understand that, oh, it's because if I can try something and see its impact and then measure it and then uh, try it again or build on it and see more impact, and, and it creates that, that momentum around the thing you're trying to improve, um, it can really have a, 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 you know, a tremendous impact on students and on the success of that particular school or district. We've also, I mean, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of partnerships with the business community. Um, and in fact, I was just in the northwestern rural part of the state, and they did a regional, what was called a Maker Fest. Um, and, and they took over the fairgrounds of one of the counties, and they had um, all these businesses had, like, booths. But it wasn't a booth just promoting the business. Every, every business had an activity um, that stressed something that they value in the world. So, so it was making it was making connections between students and the businesses. So the students emerged with a better understanding of all the businesses in their area, the kinds of skills that they value, but also the reality that you know living in a rural community can be a place where you can you know build a family, have a successful life, and, and enjoy a great quality of life. Um, and so so it was business partners, it was education partners, it was um, community service partners, and a bunch of amazing students. Um, all because uh, the students also were competing in different both academic and, and career technical kinds of activities. So it was a wonderful kind of day-long event that was really impressive. And it, you really got that sense that it was building this sense of community belonging. And, and the fact that all these adults really cared about those kids and their success um, and their success in the context of being the future of that community. So those are a couple of things that are happening. That's awesome. Very so exciting. Did you have a question? No. Okay. Well, talk to us about what rural looks like in your state. So in Colorado, we have a rural definition. You've identified um, rural and small rural districts. What, is, what does that look like in Ohio? Yeah, I mean, I would argue that we probably have a similar sense. It may not be as precise. The state has, you know, for the longest time since I can remember, um, we have like eight typologies that we routinely analyze um, Ohio data around. And, and the, you know, the, 
the, we have eight major urban areas, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Columbus, you can probably rattle off most of them. Um, and then there are, you know, then there are the next tier of urban areas, the middle-sized Lima and Springfield and Mansfield. Uh, and then you go into like sort of rural, um, uh, you know, medium income, rural, low income, and then there's suburb a couple suburban categories. Um, and, and so we'll, we'll routinely um, slice and dice our data along those categories. But, but we have sort of the Appalachian area, and then we have sort of an agricultural, uh, uh, both central and, and western um, agricultural areas that kind of constitute the totality of the rural base on. Awesome. That's interesting. I think we continue to see that though we have a definition of rural, rural can look different from state absolutely. to state. Absolutely. I think that. Well, and from district to, I mean, absolutely. even within a state, you can see different aspects of rural, each one with its own little bit of a nuance about what, what, their, what their particular asset base is and what they're likely to be successful in and what, what might be the challenges. So, you know, sometimes the, the geographic dispersion of population, you know, the transportation is a huge thing, getting mm -hmm. kids to the right place. Um, or, or trying to just figure out how to get a student to a career tech center or to get a career tech program in a, in a, in a particular high school can be really challenging. Whereas in other parts, um, it, you know, um, it's more about you know, access to certain types of, you know, I, I can't support having 15 AP classes. And so what am I, what am I doing to try to um, meet every student where they are and, and get them what they might want to be participating? So in terms of future rural innovations, what do you see happening in your state? Well, what I love is what this conference is all about, is really bringing rural educators together to share ideas, share practices, um, you know, build off of each other, learn from each other. Because, you know, I'm a realist about what the state education agency can and can't do, uh, and that the real power and the, and, the, and the creative energy is really out there among practitioners. Mm -hmm. so, so that's why, you know, I love the presentation about Roscoe and creating an early college you know, in a, in, a, in a remote area of Texas. And, and I think to myself, well, why? There are many more places that could do that. And so I hope they're inspired by that story and they go forth and do that. But it may not work over here, but they may be inspired by something else. I mean, I think what, what we try to foster is this sense of everybody has a responsibility to always be looking for ways to get better. It's like a, a continuous improvement culture across the enterprise. And, and what does that mean? And what does that look like? And how do you create the opportunities for rural practitioners to discover um, uh, new ideas, new options, new opportunities, and, and then create the conditions at our level to help that be successful. Well, we've definitely learned so much by being here. And one of my favorite things about coming to NFAIR is exactly what you said, sharing our practices, learning about what's happening in other states. And we've definitely learned so much from you today. So we thank you for being our guest. No, happy to thank do you. it. Um, and again, let's keep sharing yeah. uh, and because we'll all, we'll all benefit. And if we work together, we're always stronger. Thank you. Absolutely. Hi, we're here with Alan Pratt. And Alan is the executive director of the National Rural Education Association. And so, Alan, we're, we're just talking about all the great things that we know are going on in rural education. And so wanted to hear from someone who we know gets a lot of it, gets to see a lot going on around the country. And so just wanted to hear about what you've seen that's exciting out there in rural education. So I, since I know this as a Colorado lean or slant, I will say that Colorado is ahead of the game in a lot of areas on what's going on with rural education and innovative practices in rural education. So. I would give a shout out to Colorado and the work that's going on in the state. And I think that's, uh, you should realize that you are at the forefront and doing a lot of good work. Uh, as I travel the country, I do share your work and share the ideas that you bring to the table. Uh, and it's amazing how there's a copy of that work 
from rural housing, some subsidized housing to uh, teacher loan forgiveness and or stipends mm -hmm. for teachers. So that's, so that's very important. And I think it's whenever there's something created or innovated, it's good to share that information because other states can replicate and copy because they think Colorado's a rural state, we can do it in our state as well. With that being said, there's all kinds of work going on from North Carolina to Washington State, Montana, that is all connected to rural teacher issues or rural issues in general. And uh, it's, it's really exciting how people attack and address those issues. And I say attack in the sense that sometimes legislatively you have to mm -hmm. kind of attack and then addressing those and trying to make it better for all. What would you say is like the, if there is one most pressing issue for rural districts around the state, around the country? I think the, if you did like a top five list, yeah. you're going to look at teacher shortage is going to be right up there. And I, th I think teacher shortage in the sense of the, the, the prep is not, there's not as many students going through to be teachers. That's number one. And number two, there's not a lot of applicants going to rural areas. So I think rural districts are being re real creative on how they address those issues in by by virtually and or by mm -hmm. there's been a lot going on with hiring um, international teachers to come mm -hmm. over Tell and be teachers and, yeah mm -hmm. so that's real strong especially midwest far west i think that's becoming a, a kind of a trend that comes with good and bad um because of language barriers and mm -hmm. all that so uh, so i would think those i think i think obviously salary and funding would be one of those um I, you know top five and, and it's, it's, it's always going to be around those things of what we cannot feel and what we need to feel and the argument of do we put a warm body in the classroom versus what do we do to, to make things. Yeah, no, those are tough. And I think that's, that's kind of what uh, I think everyone's battling. And um, it's, there's, there's a lot more positive going on in the world than if you look the mainstream media or the east and left coast and how they're writing stuff. There's a lot of deficit, but there's a lot more positive going on. So that's very good. And... Rural is more diverse than the east and left coast make us out to be, so it's a very good thing. You were saying left intentionally instead of west. Yes. 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 Okay, welcome to Alan. <laughs> I'm sorry, west. <laughs> tell us a little bit about NREA. Um, I know what you all do, but tell us about the organization and sort of your mission. So, our, you know, our mission is to be the, vo the, the voice of rural schools and communities, but one of the things we since I've been on, this is going on my fourth year, is to grow our membership and grow our state affiliates. So we went from around 30, 31 state affiliates and we're up to 42 now. Yeah. So we've added several states, North Dakota being the latest one, which was approved last week. And Kentucky's kicking off tonight here at the conference. Um, uh, North Carolina was two weeks ago. So we're adding those state affiliates and each state affiliates totally set up differently from a legislative standpoint or the services or professional development, whatever they may be. That's been a large part of our work is to grow the membership. Uh, next part of that has been on the kind of connecting grants and connecting funding to different mm -hmm. states and rules being kind of a hot topic and there's been philanthropy work in those areas. So that's been good for us to connect those different states. So as far as NFAIR, what would you say that was the best part of the conference so far besides the fact of being on Redefining Rural? So personally or professionally? So we need to <laughs> <laughs> So professionally, I think it's great that we can make so many connections across the country because there's 44 states represented here. How many, how many 40, attendees? Uh, we're over 600 this year. And I'll be honest with you, I think in Colorado kind of set the tone last year for this different push of what we're seeing. And, and to have a large group from Colorado come to Kentucky has been very, How very... many do we have here? Oh, I would say it's... 
I think 40? it's 50 or 55, 50? something like that. I think the producer in the back said 55. So, um, so I think that's important. Yeah. Uh, I think Kentucky here had, a, I think they have 112. So if you look at the numbers of local 112, which is a good number, you're over close to over half of those. So that's good. Um, I, I think for, for us is it's the, the format changed when we did the TED talk and the, to aligning those speakers to what is needed and what is kind of current and rural. It's been a big shift, and mm -hmm. I think that's been a positive. Um, we've seen a lot more proposals and, and just around what is needed and what is actually being kind of viewed as important in rural communities. So that's been that's the best part of it. We were excited to see the lunch speaker today highlighted Silverton uh, and the great work going on there with around yeah. the expeditionary That's design. Good. That yeah. was super exciting. Yep, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Alan, for your, your time. And we know you get to go kick off the Kentucky yeah, and group. The, and, and I hope to be in Colorado soon. We're going to do some school visits. So right? I'll be Excellent. back. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. thank you so much. Thank you.